Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Praise the Lord. I want to talk to you today about something that uh, that I've talked to you about before, uh, and it's, it's a message the Lord gave me a few years ago, and, and when He gave it to me, I've ministered it here several times, but when the Lord gave it to me, I had the sense that it was something that, that He wanted me to sort of champion. In other words, it would be a, a recurring uh, uh, message that, that He would have me share, and uh, not just to this church, but to, but to other people, and I have shared it in other locations, and, and we'll do that even more. Uh, but you know, when you're, when you're talking about things, having, I want to talk to you about being the temple of God. And it's something that this church knows because I've taught on it, but there's something yet that the Lord wants us to see. And what, what I teach along this line and the things that I bring out, uh, are not being taught very much. They're, they're, now, I don't listen to everybody, obviously, but I've never heard anyone else minister along the lines that I minister uh, on this subject. And again, the body of Christ is large and ministers are a multitude and, and the people preaching things. And I'm not saying that, that other people don't have this revelation. What I'm saying is, at least in our camp, so to speak. In, in the, in the ministries that, that we're affiliated with or knowledgeable about, I've never heard anyone, uh, talk about the things that I'm talking about. Now, if that causes you a little, tr- uh, concern, <laughs> you're saying, well, I don't like this, you know, your pastor's preaching something nobody else does. I didn't say nobody else was. In fact, when I, when I first preached this message, uh, back in 1996, no, 1995 was the first time I preached it in Plano, Texas. And, uh, uh, it had been, it had been going over in my heart, just kind of the Lord had been showing me some things and I had never had the liberty to share it. And in that meeting, uh, I was in one of Brother Hagen's Holy Ghost meetings, Kenneth Hagen's Holy Ghost meetings in, uh, Gerald Brooks's church in Plano, Texas, a suburb of Dallas. And, uh, that morning, uh, Dad Hagen, well, the previous morning, Dad Hagen was ministering and, uh, or, no, it was the night before, the night before, that night, one night, I'll put it this way, Brother Hagin was ministering. And, uh, he was talking about having Holy Ghost meetings. This, that's the kind of meetings they were, where the, whatever the Spirit wanted to do would be done, and just a little different than other meetings he had. And he said, you know, I don't have to do all the preaching. And I was sitting on the second row, kind of at the end, this end down here, and Brother Hagin was very close on the front row, and, uh, and he was kind of walking that direction. And he said, you know, I don't have to do all the preaching in these meetings. He said, some of these young guys, you know, these young ministers that the Lord has raised up, you know, they can, they can minister as well. And I saw when the Holy Spirit witnessed to his heart that I was supposed to minister. It shocked probably both of us. Because he, he was walking that way and he said, some of these other ministers, he looked at me and he kind of, he kind of did a double take and just kind of paused for a moment and I thought, yikes. <laughs> and, and I, and I knew right then he's going to call me. The Spirit of God just tell, told him to call on me to minister, uh, in the morning session. I think that next morning. And so anyway, uh, no, that night, it was the night section. You tell me, Angela. It was, it was, 
But I talked to you that it was that morning and I ministered that night. That's what it was. And so, uh, yeah, I told her on the phone that afternoon. I said, I said, Brother Hagin's going to call on me to preach tonight. She started laughing. She said, he is not. That's the craziest thing I ever heard. I said, it's kind of the craziest thing I ever heard too. But I'm telling you, he's going to call on me to preach tonight. And he didn't say anything to me, but I just, I just knew that by the Spirit. So uh, anyway, I got up and I shared on this topic. And, uh, and I only preached for about 20 minutes. Yes, it has happened. <laughs> I only preached for, for about 20 minutes because, frankly, I was a little nervous if I was going too long and doing too much. Brother Hagin was sitting right behind me on the platform, you know. And, uh, but he said, before I got up, he said, now, Pastor Anderson, he said, I want him to come up and share whatever's on, whatever's on his heart. He said, Brother, Brother Anderson, just preach, teach. Uh, prophesy, lay hands on the sick, cast out devils, raise the dead, just whatever you have, just do it. I thought, okay. But I still was nervous. And so I, I shared some of these things and, 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 uh, the thing, one of, one or two things I shared, I knew I had never heard anybody else share. And so, uh, later in that week, maybe the next day, I was talking to Rich King, who was Brother Hagen's crusade, uh, director at the time. And he said that after the meeting, uh, the service that night, he was in the back room with, with Dad Hagen, and he asked him, he said, Dad, he said, what, what Pastor Anderson preached today, he said, I've never heard of that. He says, is that right? Is that true? He said, Brother Hagen said, yep, yep, it's true. It's absolutely true. It's absolutely biblical. Well, I felt relieved <laughs> when he told me that. But, uh, but I've based it on the Word of God, and I've, and I've searched it out, and what I am teaching is scriptural, and it's a message that the body of Christ has not heard as it should. And so even though I've taught on it here before, there's more that we need to understand because there, there's more that I'm understanding. In fact, I was reading in Philippians, they turn over, this isn't my text, but turn to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, and look at the third, the first verse of the third chapter. Paul, you know, he had a very close relationship with the Philippian church. They were, they were close partners with him in ministry. He had ministered there and they had taken him basically as a project to fund his ministry. And so they, they sent finances to him again and again, he said, in order to help him carry this message that he had given them to other places. So he's writing them this, this epistle and he said, finally, brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious. Now, the older King James says, For me to write these same things to you is not grievous. And other translations, here it says it's not tedious. Other translations says it's not irksome. That's a very uh, frequent translation of, of this verse. Several translations I read said it that way. For me to, to write these same things to you, things they had already heard, he said, it's not irksome. Other translation says, it's not tiring. One translation said, it's not, I'm not bored. <laughs> Are you bored is what I want to ask. <laughs> He said, I'm not bored in telling you these things that I've told you in the past. Notice the next verse. But for you, it is safe. For you, it is safe. The reason your pastor uh, preaches the same things from time to time and, and we have a, a recurring body of truth that the Lord has, has directed us to share is because it's safe for you. 
There's protection in it. In, in fact, go over, there's another passage, passage like this. Go over to Second Peter and go to the first chapter of Second Peter. Hallelujah. Second Peter, chapter 1, verse number 12. For this reason, Peter said, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things. Notice Peter said it would be negligence not to come back and revisit these things. He said, for this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things. Now notice the next part of this. Though you know the truth and are established, or know and are established in the present truth. Notice he's writing to them and reminding them of things they know and they're established in. Because just because you know something and and are established in it doesn't mean it's working in your life. And it doesn't mean though you're established in it and you know it that it is life or alive to you. Truth has to be revisited to stay fresh. Recently, I've been teaching on having fresh faith. Well, revelation and understanding has to be fresh. How many of you are, I know many of you are aware that there are certain things, for instance, God's will to heal. You know that. You're established in it. No one could beat it out of you, as the saying goes. You know, you just, you'd rather just, you know, do anything in life than to say it's not true. But that doesn't mean that your faith is always working in that area. Because you have to stir yourself up. And that's what Peter said. He went on to say, he said, though you are established and you know this present truth, he said, yes, as, as I think it's uh, right as long as I am in this tent or in this body to stir you up by reminding you. And so that's what I'm doing today. I'm stirring you up because the Lord has been visiting us. I said, the Lord has been visiting us in our services. His, what I mean by that, I'm not talking about, you know, a vision or something. I'm talking about the presence of God, the glory of the Lord, the just, just Him making His presence known and precious among us is something He's been doing a lot of. And He wants to do more of it. There are, I talked this morning when, when I first uh, took the platform that we're going higher. There, we are, we are church. We are going higher. We are going further in what God has for us. And so this is a really important uh, component of that. And so I want to take your attention, first of all, to first, excuse me, first Corinthians chapter three. And like I said, many of you already would, would know to turn here. And, uh, and I want us to look at this passage in verse number 16. Do you not know, this is 1 Corinthians three sixteen. do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Now, in the Old Testament, we know this that God's presence 
or where he dwelt as far as his manifest presence in the earth was confined, first of all, during Moses' day, it was confined to the tabernacle of witness. And, and his glory or his presence would fill that place when the people worshiped, when they came before them, before him according to the order that he had prescribed, the glory of the Lord would fill that tabernacle. And then later in Solomon's time, the tabernacle was made more permanent. And so, uh, God allowed Solomon to build him a house and that that was the temple of God. And his, again, his glory, when the people approached him the right way, according to his ordered, according to his prescribed way of approach and with reverence and, 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 uh, openness uh, before him, his glory would fill that temple. But something happened in the tabernacle and in the temple that doesn't happen to us today. Now, that was, that's where God's presence was then. But now we know in Acts chapter 7 that God really, that was never his perfect plan. Because God can't be confined to something made by hands, to a building or a house made by hands. God, it was never God's best. That was a type and a shadow of things to come. Now, it was a type and shadow, first of all, of the Lord Jesus Christ. The temple and the tabernacle before it were both types of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every time uh, the, the, uh, the tribes and the various people would come by the children of Israel as they made their journey, because, you know, they were, they were among Bedouin uh, 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 cultures, uh, the tabernacle on the outside looked like nothing. It was covered in badger skin, and I can imagine it stank. It's covered in badger skin. It didn't look like anything. But on the inside, it was all gold. I mean, everything in it was gold, covered with gold. It had smoke and incense. I mean, the glory of God. Well, that's a picture of Christ. On the outside, he didn't look like anything. Prophet said his, his, his visions and the way he looked was nothing to be desired by men. But on the inside, he was divine. On the inside, he was God. Praise God. So the temple was, first of all, a type of Christ, but it was also a type of his church. Amen. We are the temple of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, in the Old Testament, he, his presence was restricted to that temple. But in the New Testament, he lives in us. Amen. Individually. Now, go over with me to the sixth chapter of 1 Corinthians and look at verse number 19. Now this sounds similar to what he said in verse in chapter 3 verse 16 but it's not exactly the same. In chapter 6 verse 19 it says, "Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price." Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirits, which are God's. So we know from this that each of us individually, if you are born again, that is, if you are saved, if you're a child of God, you've believed on the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and you've been recreated in Christ to become a new person in Him. That, that, that all equals being saved. If you're saved, God's Spirit lives on the inside of you. Amen. He's present all the time. Your body, my body, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and it's important that we take care of them. Amen. 
He said, uh, you have this, this Holy Spirit from God and you're not your own. We are not our own. Pastor Angela and I prayed about whether we should go to California. We wanted to go. People were waiting on us and counting on us to be there. But first of all, he has to say. Because we are not our own. When you face decisions in life, no matter what, they might, might, might not be medical. They may be a business situation or some kind of direction over, over uh, God's will for your life or your plans. Maybe you're not even seeking God's will. God has something to say about it. We are not our own. We belong to Him. Amen. We were purchased by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We belong to Him. He said, you are not your own, for you were bought at a price. Now, you know, you and I value things differently depending on how much we pay for them. You pay for something, if you pay a little bit for something, it's not that big a deal to you. If you don't have it, if you lose it or somebody takes it, it's not, you know, it, was, it, it wasn't worth much. You didn't pay much. But, you know, if somebody comes to your house, knocks on your door and says, you know, this is my house and you're going to have to get out. You're going to stand up to that. You're going to say, oh, no, you're not. This is my house. Why? Because I've purchased it. I, I put a big down payment on it. Or I've been making payments for many years. I have this. You're not taking my house. It's valuable. Isn't that right? Well, the price that was paid for us is invaluable. You can't even put a value on it. You can't even come close to understanding the value God placed on us, on you and me. And our bodies. Our bodies. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, he said. You are bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirits, which are God's. So we know this, and you've been taught uh, this well enough. You know that individually, each one of us are the temple of the Holy Ghost. That means we are, we are where God lives. We are His abiding place. He abides in us. But not just in me, or just in one of you, but in each one of us. Go back over to 1 Corinthians 3. Now in, in 1 Corinthians 6, where we just looked, He was very especially and clearly talking about the temple of our body our individual physical bodies. But in chapter 3, he was not talking about the individual temple of our bodies. Because if you start in this chapter, you can see that... that uh, let's start in verse 5. Who then is Paul and who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one? I planted... Now notice that, that imagery. The imagery here is someone planting a crop putting seed in the ground. He said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he who plants anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. He's talking about the fact that he came to them first of all with the gospel. He was the first one that came to town, to Corinth, and preached the gospel, and the church was planted, and, and seed was put in the ground. It was put in their hearts, and it was put in into this church, and into these people, and a church came from it. He said, Apollos followed me, and he watered what I put in. 
Amen? He said, now each one will receive their own reward, talking about ministers. Verse 9 says, for we are God's fellow workers and you are God's field. I think the older King James says husbandry. Paul saying that he and Apollos and any other minister that would minister to them are God's workers. He said, we're the farmers, you're the field. So the church as a, as collectively is being looked at as God's field because these ministers didn't come to their house individually. These ministers came and ministered to them collectively as the body of Christ. The church would assemble together, like the apostle said in the, in the, in the 14th chapter, when you all come together in one place. Well, when that would happen, he, the ministers, Paul and Apollos and others, would minister to the body of believers collectively. So that body of believers is God's garden, God's cultivated field. And then right in the middle of this verse, and now in my Bible, I just put a little, uh, a little hash mark between the word field and the word you. Because there's, this verse changes, uh, uh, imagery right in the middle of the verse. He said, you, we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. And then he says, you are God's building. That's a completely different image. You are God's cultivated field and we're the farmers. You are God's building and we are the builders. He said, you are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So he goes on and, and talks about uh, the importance of how people build and, 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 and uh, what the... What the uh, uh, condition of the building is and so forth. But what I wanted you to see is he's talking to the church collectively. He says, first of all, you are God's field. Secondly, you are God's building. Okay. So with that in mind, then verse 16 says, do you not know that you are the temple of God? You could say it this way. Do you not know you are the building of God? He said, you are God's building. And in verse 16, he said, you are the temple of God. Well, that would be the same thing, the building of God. In fact, the Old Testament ver, uh, uh, word that's translated temple simply meant, and it's talk, this is coming from the Hebrew, the word that's translated temple simply was a common word for a palatial house. We would call it a mansion, a big house. And it was used in the Old Testament, first of all, of the temple of the gods uh, of the nations around them, the pagan gods. You remember Samson was in the temple of the Philistines. When, when blinded because of his sin and disobedience, he, one last great move, you know, he, he gathered the pillars and pulled those out. That was that word temple. And it simply meant a great palatial, uh, magnificent house. And it was accustomed to being used in reference to the, to the great and majestic, uh, temples of, of these false gods. Well, when, when God, instructed Solomon to build the temple, they use that same word. And the word simply means a palatial house. Well, when he said you are God, he, when he said you are God's building, that's the same thing as saying you are God's house. Do you not know that you are the house of God? And that the Spirit of God dwells in you. 
Now again, in chapter 6, he's talking about the temple of your body, but in chapter 3, he's talking about the temple of the church. Now, it is true concerning the universal church. But as I've talked to you before, at the time of the New Testament, when it was written in the first century, they didn't have a clear grasp on the universal church. When they thought of the word church or the idea of the church, they always thought of the individual local church. So he's saying that you, the church at Corinth, you are the temple of God and God's spirit dwells in you collectively. Now the Amplified brings that out and it translates it this way. It says, do you not discern and understand that you, the whole church at Corinth, are God's temple, his sanctuary, and that God's spirit has his permanent dwelling in you to be at home in you collectively as a church and also individually. Now, the, the, the writers of the Amplified Bible, that, that last word, they, they reached over to the sixth chapter and brought that truth in. Because it's not what he's talking about in the third chapter, but it is true that, that, that we are the temple of God collectively and, and individually. So they reached over, like I said, because they wanted to cover their bases. So they brought that idea from the sixth chapter, and it is true. But the point is, like they said, do you not know and understand that you, the whole church at Corinth? Well, that would be true of the whole church right here. At impact. Or the whole church at First Baptist. Or the whole church at the Catholic Church. Or the whole church at the Methodist Church. Or whatever the group would be. Do you not discern and understand that you, the church, Impact Family Church, are God's temple? And that His Spirit dwells in you collectively? Oh, praise God. That, that is, a, there, that is, there's an understanding there that needs to be magnified, that needs to be, that needs to grow. Our understanding of this needs to grow because it has a lot to do with what he's able to do. Amen. Now, collectively, as the church, we are now the temple of God, the house of God. In, uh, 1 Corinthians, we've already looked at the third chapter. And, and uh, let's, let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. Verse number 14, the apostle is writing. He said, these things I write to you, though I hope to come to you shortly. But if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Now, I remember when I was a little boy, I, my family were very, was very active in church. We were there uh, four times a week. We went to church every week. They went four weekly services. And uh, my family, my, my parents were considered pillars in the church, and we were there all the time. And, you know, as a, as a uh, normal child, Growing up, I could be a little, uh, you know, I could misbehave some. And, and if I misbehaved at church, they would always correct me. And, and they would say, you know, you need to behave yourself in the house of God. And, and, and that's, I think that's the way it says in the King, older King James, that you might know how to behave yourself in the house of God. They're saying, you're in the house of the Lord, you need to behave yourself. But see, they, they, they said it, in the sense that the church building was the house of the Lord and I needed to, I needed to behave myself. That's not what that's talking about. It's not talking about you uh, 
not misbehaving. He's telling the, the apostle, I mean, uh, Timothy that he was writing to wasn't a rascal. He wasn't a little kid. He wasn't running around at church and doing crazy things. He's talking to another apostle, actually. Timothy was actually an apostle himself. He said, I'm writing these things so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Well, again, is this talking about the universal church or the local church? Well, it can apply both ways, but you know, you can't conduct yourself anyway, any particular way in the universal church. Universal church, nobody even knows you. <laughs> the way you conduct yourself, the way you uh, present yourself, and, and, and I'm not talking about, about behavior like that. I'm talking about what you do as, as, a, as a person, as a, as a member of the body. It's how you conduct yourself in the, in the house of God. The church, even the local church is referred to as the house of God because that's where you conduct yourself. I don't have any conduct in the universal church. All my conduct's in the local church. Either the local church or some other local church. He said that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. You know, that applies to the local church. The pillar and ground. The, the, God has ordained the local church to be where he shepherds his sheep. This is, the local church is how Jesus cares for his sheep. Jesus said, he told the, the disciples of his day that he was the good shepherd. He said, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. And he talked about the, the conduct of the shepherd and how the shepherd cares for his sheep. Well, the Lord Jesus is the chief shepherd overall. He's the good and great shepherd of the sheep. But, but there are, there are individual sheep folds. Local churches are sheep folds. And the local, I'm going to say it again. The local church is how God cares. It's the instrument God uses to care for his sheep. That Jesus uses to care for his sheep. So people who say, well, you know, I don't need to go to church. I belong to the Lord, you know, and, and I'm part of the body of Christ universally and I don't, no, you're, they're in disobedience. They're in disobedience because they're not getting the care that is supposed to come from the local church. Well, praise the Lord. Don't get me started on that. Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. Hallelujah. Therefore, verse 1 says, Holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him who appointed him. Well, who appointed him? God the Father appointed him. Jesus Christ was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all his house. For this one has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, talking about Jesus, counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who built the house has more glory than the house. For every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. And Moses indeed was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which would be spoken afterward. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are. 
If we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. So we are God's temple, we are God's house, and that's exactly what the, the Apostle Paul was saying in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Just like Moses was faithful over his house, which was the tabernacle, Jesus was faithful over his house, which is his church. And of course that applies to the universal, universal church, but it also applies to the local church. Amen. Now, we are now the house of God. I want, to, I want to make sure you see that I'm not saying we aren't. We are now the house, the temple of God. But we are yet still progressively becoming the temple of God. Both of those things are true. We are now the temple of God, but we are becoming progressively the temple of God. What does that mean? Well, Paul, remember when he, when he wrote there in, in uh, 1 Corinthians, Corinthians 3, that verse, he said, let each one take, take heed how he builds on it. So there's more building to be done on the house. That doesn't mean it's not the house. Doesn't mean we're not the temple of God. It just means we're still under construction. There is, we are progressively becoming the house that he desires. Oh, hallelujah. That excites me. That excites me. He, I, first of all, I'm excited that he's not done with me yet. That he's still got some, reti- re, some refining work, something yet to be accomplished in my life. That ought to give, that ought to warm everybody's heart. That God's not finished. You, you, you know, you're not, you're not what, thank God you aren't, you aren't what you were, but you are not what you will be either. We are not what we were as a church, but we aren't yet what we will be. Oh, there are great things ahead. Great things ahead. God is still building His church. God is still building this church. Amen. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians, the second chapter. And look at the 19th verse. Now therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners. Other translations say uh, aliens and foreigners. But fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Now I'm convinced that he's talking about the universal church. Having been built, he said, you now are no longer strangers and foreigners. He talked about earlier in the, cha- in the, in this book, how that we were outside of Christ as Gentiles. We didn't know him. We were without him and without hope and without, uh, uh, any, any path to God. But in Christ, God has made Jew and Gentile all one church. So he's talking about the universal church up to this point. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Now, verse 21 is very, very significant. In whom the whole body, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, Well, verse 21 and 22 together. In whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. He's saying that, that in verse 21, in whom the whole building. Now, it's important that in the original Greek, this is, this literally says every building. In whom every building 
being fitted together. The, uh, the uh, ASV, Authorized Standard Version, says each several building. In whom each several, or you could say individual building, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. He's talking about the fact that each individual local church, the local church, all of the local churches are, they're all temples of God, the temple of God, but all local churches are being built together by God as one temple. The universal church. God, God has bigger perspectives than we do. It's not confusing and it's not com- complex at all from God's perspective. The universal church is the temple of God. Each several or individual local church or local building, he said, uh, grows. Well, that, that's, that, that's, uh, present tense. It hasn't, it's not fully grown yet. The body of Christ isn't fully grown. The body of Christ isn't fully together. First of all, there's some people that are, being, that are to be joined to the body of Christ before Jesus comes that aren't even saved right now. They don't even know God, never even heard the gospel. So it is still growing. It is still, God is still adding to the church. So he said, in whom each several or individual building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In whom you also... Now there he's turning his attention away from the concept of all churches to the church at Corinth. In whom you also, that would be the, the, the church at Corinth, being built together are a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. The, uh, the, I like the Coneyberry translation of this verse. It says in verse, in verse 21, And in him not only others, but you also are being built up together to make a house wherein God may dwell by the presence of His Spirit. If you want to know what God is doing in the church, this is what He's doing. Jesus said, I will build my church. He's still building His church. I heard Lois Toucher with Shekinah Glory say one time, she said, if you want to be like Jesus, if you really want to be like Him, then get involved doing what He's doing, help build the church. If you're not building the church, you're not sharing fully in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because that's what He's doing today. He's building His church. He's building this church because it's His church. He's building the other churches in town because they're His church. All, all of the several buildings, not just in our little hamlet, but all around the world, grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom we also impact, are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Hallelujah. That's, that's our purpose. This is what God is endeavoring and working to do in these last days is to build his church to be a place that he can dwell by the presence of his Holy Spirit. He wants to dwell in us. Now, he wants to dwell in you individually. Isn't that right? He's in you. He wants to, he won't, he doesn't, he's not a hitchhiker through life. He didn't just, he doesn't just kind of come and go out of your life. No, he, he lives in you, but, but he wants to take up, a, he wants you to have a sense of his permanent residency in you. 
See, if we, if we really perceive like we should his permanent residency, we wouldn't do some of the things we do. We wouldn't say some of the things we say. We wouldn't act in some of the ways we act. Now, come on. If we were constantly aware that he's in us, that he's taken up his, his, his dwelling in us, and he's ever aware of what we do, we would be a little more careful about what we do. How we would treat people. What kind of attitudes we would develop. I, I, the Lord just directed or, or corrected me just this past week on, a, on an attitude problem I had. That I wouldn't even admit it if, if it hadn't been the Lord. And, and it was important. I said, Lord, you're right. I mean, there's no sense in arguing with the Holy Ghost. When he, when he speaks to you, show, you know, okay, you got me. You know, there's, there's, no, there's not even any reason to even try to justify it. So we, we need to be aware of his indwelling presence. Well, we need to be aware of his indwelling presence in our, in our church. Amen. He wants to dwell. He wants to become... Uh, and, and, and it's interesting here, it says, in whom you also are being built together. We're being built together. For what? For a dwelling place in the Spirit. That tells me that it's a process. We're not being built apart. Some people can come to a local church, and I understand when you're new someplace, I'm not, I'm not picking at people, but you know, you know, when you're new to a church, you come to church, you don't really feel quite at home, you, yet you feel impressed, you ought to come back, and you know, over time you begin to sense this is, this is the, the, the church I should belong to, and you become a part. Some people, though, never make, they never actually complete that process. They'll come to church for, for sometimes years. And they always are just sort of standoffish. They never really open themselves to the pastor and they never really open themselves to the member of the, members of the church. They're just sort of like uh, a single person, I mean a married person trying to pretend they're single. That can get you in trouble. <laughs> no, we, we're, not, we're being built together. We're being built together. Uh, we're, we're, we are not just members of a church. We are brethren. And that means we are brothers and sisters. We're brethren and sisters. <laughs> we're brothers and sisters. And we, we, we are being, now we are one in Christ. That's, that's the common denominator is when, when, you know, John Doe, gets born again down on, down on the, the, the shipping dock somewhere and, and receives Christ into his Lord, he is one with the Lord, but he's also one with the rest of the church. He just doesn't know it yet. So he finds his way to a local church and God then knits him into the fabric of that local church. He is one with Christ and he's one with his brothers and sisters. You can't be one with Christ and not be one with your brothers and sisters. That, that, that can't happen because we're all a part of Him. Well, glory to God. He is building us together. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. For what purpose? For a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. 
And I'm going to stop right there. Uh, we, we are experiencing, we are experiencing God's, this working that I'm talking about. We're experiencing it. He is building and fashioning us because we're growing in our understanding and we're growing in our uh, uh, ability to relate to one another. In the Old Testament, God demonstrated that the primary purpose of His temple was, was so that it would be a place He could manifest His presence. He could be in that temple and, and, and His presence, His glory would fill it. That was, the, that was the fundamental purpose of the temple. Because when the people came into alignment, His glory would rush in. Now, now in the Old Testament, it says that when the glory filled that tabernacle, Moses couldn't go into it. Because Moses wasn't born again. He was a servant over this house. Jesus is a son over His own house. Moses couldn't enter into that glory. He said he, he couldn't go in because the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. In Solomon's day, the priests were in the temple. When that glory came in, they fell out. They were not even able to stand up because of the magnitude of that temple. Well, some, it's, it's, we need to be careful that we don't look at what happened then and say, well, it was more glorious then because of the way it impacted them. You know, they couldn't, Scripture says that the priests could not stand on their feet to minister. That means they fell out. And, and so it's, what God's doing here is less because we don't, it must be less because we don't see that kind of demonstration. No, it's not. We're able. They weren't able to experience the glory. We are. The church, God designed the church to fill it with His glory and He made each one of us able because He's filled us with that glory on the inside. He's filled us with that. Each one of us have been filled with that glory. And as you know, when you spend time with the Lord, that sense and that, that, that degree of glory will be increased. You'll sense the presence. You ever sense the presence of God stronger at one time than others? Certainly. And, and would you think, would you believe that God would want us to experience His, His, Him, Himself in us more often like that? Yes. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. He, he's, he's, he's in us individually, but He's also in, in us collectively. And there's a greater anointing, a greater degree of His presence in the local assembly than there is in any one single person's life. Each one of us can experience God's presence. But the potential for His presence, the potential for greater glory is magnified by our union together. He can do, he can do things and manifest Himself in ways and, 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 and the, the depth of His glory can be greater among us. And, we've, and, we've, and we see that. We know it. We've experienced that. But I tell you what, God is not finished. <laughs> he's not. He, he, we haven't arrived. We, thank God He's doing great things and we are grateful. I mean, I, 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 I am beyond grateful. But I also know that, that we're going up higher. 
Glory to God. And so what is important is when we come together, that we take the time, just take the time and reflect on what we're doing when we come in here. Don't just drive up the, the driveway. I know, I know getting ready for church is a completely natural thing in one sense. You know, you have, you have to get your lazy carcass out of bed. You don't feel like coming. You know, it's raining. You want to stay home. You know, you have to get yourself dressed. You have to, and if you have children, oh my Lord. You got to get those, you got to get those kids ready, you know, and they're, they just require everything. And, and by the time you get to church, you feel like, you, you know, you want to beat the kids because you feel like you've been beaten. I, I understand all of that. You got to get in the car and, and you know, something's not working. So you get, I understand it's natural. But when we arrive, let us, let us get, in, get out of the habit of just coming in and, you know, kind of glad handing everybody hey you know what's going on you know and just and just being about natural things we are natural and we have and we are friends and we do share things in life but when we come together our, our attention ought to be on the lord more than it is i'll just say that it it ought to be on the lord more than it is and it ought to be and it ought to be uh more we ought to have a, a more under, a greater understanding or or uh, a more uh, uh, pointed understanding at that time that we are the temple of God. We're not just in here on our own to get fed. And and I don't just I, I'm conscious of this very often when, when we worship the Lord. A lot of times we'll we'll, we'll worship the Lord and, and we'll say I and and if if I can I we yes I but we we're worshiping the Lord. Many of our songs say that. And uh, let's focus on it more. Let's, let's be more attuned to this. Amen? Because it'll, it'll pay off even greater dividends than what we've seen so far. God's doing great things. He is. Amen? Praise the Lord. But I think I went 38 minutes because I didn't turn this on to start with. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, why don't we stand up? Praise God. I'm happy. Are you? Hallelujah. Oh, thank God. What, a, what an amazing thing to think that God would be dependent upon us to really fulfill His heart. We, the apostle said, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. For what reason? That the glory might be of God and not of us. Now, you know, if, if I had been around when God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Ghost were putting this plan together, I know that they're all three omnipotent and, all, and omniscient and all-knowing so they weren't discussing anything, you know, and coming up with a plan, but just put it on our human you know, way of thinking. If, if I had been sitting off to the side and they'd come up with this idea that human beings, he, they'd save us, God, Jesus would come and save us and they would join us to a church and his, his ultimate purpose for his people is to manifest his glory in the church 
but it, it depends on us. I, I would have probably said, uh, excuse me, uh, Holy Trinity, excuse me just a minute. Are you sure that's, you sure that's a really good idea? You know, the, the, these people you're talking about, they are prone to failing all the time. <laughs> but that's God's plan. And it's, and it's a holy plan. It's a wonderful plan. It's, it's, a, it's a humbling plan. And an exhilarating plan at the same time. But yes, God has a plan. And His plan is to move among His people. He said, I will walk with you and among you. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Thank God. Thank you, Lord. We just open our hearts, Lord. We just open our hearts to you, Father. To have your way, that your spirit would dwell in us as he wants to. As he wants to. That that the spirit would take full control in the temple that the spirit what the what how the spirit would lead and what the lord jesus wants and what you want would be our number one heart and our number one goal that it would it would be what we seek to know what we would seek after that we would entertain your presence in every way we we should for your glory Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for what we know. Thank you for what you've shown us. Thank you, Lord, that, that even though we're, we know and are established in the truth, thank you for stirring us up. Peter said, though you, though you know and are established, it's, it's, it's important to stir you up. Thank you, Lord, for stirring us up. Oh, hallelujah. So when we come in, we don't just relate to each other just as natural friends. We relate to each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. Members of a holy body. And that we all have something to bring. And we all have something to contribute. And we're all valuable. Let us, let us just go away from, from this today with, with, with an understanding and... and, and, and uh, a stirring in our hearts to give attention to what's really going on when we assemble together. Oh, hallelujah. So that you can do everything you want to do. Have your full and complete way. That we pray, Father, in Jesus' name. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.